You're listening to Vermont Credit Unions On Air, a service of the Association of Vermont Credit Unions. In this episode, our guest is Kate Laud, President and Chief Executive Officer of Opportunities Credit Union based in Winooski, Vermont. Thanks for joining us today, Kate. Hi, Joe. How are you? Nice to be here. Very very well. Uh, It's a little bit uh, dreary day uh, where we both uh, sit in the northwest corner of Vermont, but, uh, but it's great to have you and be able to chat with you for all of our listeners. Yeah, yeah, it's really good to be here. And we did have a sunny weekend, so I think we can, it doesn't matter if it rains while we're at work, because the weekend it, was back. You're right, it doesn't. And we're fortunate <laughs> that way, because usually it's the other way around, where it's sunny when you're in the office. Yes, and, yes, and right. That's rainy on the weekend. Yeah. Um, so um, Kate, as I mentioned, is a president and CEO of Opportunities Credit Union, uh, located in Vermont, but with a membership that spans most of, most, if not all, of the state of Vermont. Um, it's a community development credit union, and we'll get into what that means a little bit later and whatnot. But first, Kate, I thought that it might be good for everyone to hear a little bit about, um, you know, what your a little bit about your background, the Reader's Digest version, and what brought you to Opportunities Credit Union, how you got there, and and, sure. and all of that, just about yes, yourself. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's it wasn't a direct route, that's for sure. I did work for three banks early in my career. Um, big banks. Um, I guess that's a that's a dirty word. Banks, not <laughs> credit unions. Um, and then after I uh, I paused working to raise uh, children for a couple of years, and I went on a, the board of a community bank, um, which was a lot of fun. Um, we developed a wealth management division back in two thousand, um, something that the community bank adapted to really well. It was a sense of uh, being trusted in the community. Um, people knew us. There was a lot of uh, community links, um, people that had gone back several generations. And so starting a wealth management division was a was a natural, it was all of a, a relationship business, a listening business. Um, so I was on that board and, and we accomplished that, uh, that build. Um, and then 2007, that, that little community bank got acquired, much like what has happened in our state. Um, by a big SEC-regulated bank, a publicly traded bank, and they invited me onto their board. So I continued my board service in New Jersey for a total of 15 years, and it was uh, during a time of Sarbanes-Oxley and Dodd-Frank, so the regulation mm-hmm. uh, regulations were mounting, and from a board perspective, uh, very interesting to be involved in the strategy uh, to to drive uh, results given that regulatory environment. Um, When I did go back to work somewhere in in those years, I became the CFO of a housing nonprofit. So I was, um, I frequently have have taken a job. I'm the first person to take that position. In this case, uh, the, the nonprofit had been growing and doing tax credit development. And if anyone's familiar with that, you know you need someone who's uh, in the financial driver's seat, there's a lot of compliance and reporting and making sure that projects get built on time. Um, I really loved that role. It was great. It was a integrated housing division. The closest example here in Vermont would be CHT, I think. We, we looked up to CHT even from New Jersey. They were, uh, we wanted to emulate them in every way possible. Just uh, such a successful organization in a state that really appreciates 
affordable housing, unlike in New Jersey, where it, it is typically fought against. Hmm. Um, so that was that was an interesting time, and I met a lot of great people. And in fact, my work with the board of the community bank was very, very helpful um, in terms of connections I'd made in the borrowing community. The builders and the business borrowers um, were very helpful. The, the attorneys, the accountants, great helpful network for the CFO position at the housing organization. Um, and I, Vermont has always been a part of my life since I was little. My grandparents are from Burlington and St. Albans and back beyond, um, buried all over the state, as my mother used to say. Um, and we used to visit frequently, visit family. And when I had a, a chance to uh, interview for jobs in Vermont, I, I took every chance I could to interview for positions that I thought might um, bring me to Vermont full time. And I, I, it's a small state, so I think a lot of people remember me coming up from New Jersey and interviewing. And when I finally uh, interviewed for the position of Associate Vice President for Finance and Administration at the UVM Foundation um, back in 2012, um, I loved them, they loved me, and I made the move uh, from New Jersey to Vermont. We moved our family home um, gradually, um, family members joined me up here. Uh, that was a very intense job. The foundation was relatively new and, again, hadn't had a CFO, so this was new ground um, for me to kind of uh, forge a new position um, in a new organization, which is, is very exciting. And it's it's been a tremendous success, as you probably know. They recently completed the Move Mountains campaign. So I'm, I'm not a fundraiser, but I, I see fundraising through the financial point of view. Um, so I've had so I've had a, a career in banking and in finance. So when um, when I got a call from the headhunter who was looking to fill this position, I, I had seen this position advertised, and I thought, hmm, that looks interesting. Too bad I don't know anything about credit unions. <laughs> and the recruiters called me and said, I think you'd be interested in interviewing for this. And I said, you know, it's funny that you that you said that because I can see why you would say that looking at my LinkedIn profile. Right. Um, so I did interview and I, I want to tell you, Joe, I loved the people that I met. Um, the search committee for the credit union was tremendous. I won't name names because they'll be embarrassed, but really great group of people. Mm -hmm. um, and there was a little bit of convincing required, um, but I, I jumped in, I, I cleared everything off of my, uh, everything I was doing, I wound down, shut it off, put it to the side because I wanted to give 110% to opportunities. And I joined um, a little over two years ago. I'm starting my third year here. Uh, and it's been great. It's been intense and fabulous. And, and then COVID hits and challenging. Um, but I, I quickly understood that credit unions are different from banks uh, in, in all ways that are good. Um, so I, I had only known about credit unions from the banker's point of view in New Jersey, which was lobby against them at sure. all costs because yeah, right. they are not paying taxes. Yeah. Um, so I, I, and I, and I kept wondering to myself, well, how do they do that? How do they pay higher rates and offer lower rates on loans? How are, how are they stealing our lunch? Um, so I was kind of intellectually curious about the credit union model and having worked at a nonprofit, I understood, I understood what that would look like. And it, it is exactly what it sounds like, you know, a nonprofit um, 
for the good, non-taxpaying entity. Um, and it and I love the model. I love the idea. I love the purpose. I especially love working for a low-income credit union because it's um, it's where the rubber meets the road. Really, this is where life is really happening. Um, so yeah, so I've loved being here. So um, first, the first thing that uh, strikes me is that uh, the majority of your credit career has been during a pandemic. Uh, right. So that's a little unusual. Yeah, um, right. But then two, I was going to ask you about your awareness of cooperatives. And I'm guessing that uh, based on the kind of background that, that brought you to or led up to Opportunities Credit Union, they had some familiarity with with uh, you know the member-owner cooperative structure and all of that kind of thing, but maybe not... Uh, intimately familiar with you know how it applies in a credit union world and and whatnot, except that you know what what you read in the press or or whatnot. Right, right. Yeah, um, I think there is a a Vermont version of being in community, which means that as soon as you have an opportunity to help someone in need, you help them. I. I that's one thing I noticed in COVID. First, first phone call I got was from our landlord saying, do you want to not pay your rent for a little while? I never <laughs> asked, you know, wow. can we not pay our rent? Um, people really reached out proactively to help, and especially in financial situations. So we, we reached out to our members who weren't able to pay their mortgages, and we proactively reached out and said, hey, you know, we can give you forbearance on these. Um, why don't you take three months, and we'll, we'll call you again. So the I guess I'm a long way of addressing your your question is that that just didn't exist in New Jersey. The the sense of wanting to help uh, your community, you really had to be strong armed into doing that. There wasn't a natural inclination, uh, and I, I think COVID brought out the best uh, in us in that. And the the member member organization is kind of the same model, the cooperative. Uh, model where we're all part of the same thing. We all have the same goals. We want to help each other. Someone will sacrifice a little something so someone else can do well because we all do better uh, in the end. So I I think that's very much in keeping with the state ethos. Uh, And Vermont, Vermont is different. This is a different country, Joe. This is a much better country than the rest of the country. Certainly different than New Jersey. Um, so can you share some uh, some specifics about opportunities credit? I'm not sure everyone listening, uh, you know, knows, um, you know, all the basics, you know, assets, locations, uh, members, you know, whatever kind of the, the vital statistics. Sure, sure. Um, I think we look like any other financial institution. We're small. We have two branches, um, Burlington and Winooski. And as you mentioned earlier, we do cover the state. I think one way... A couple ways we're different. Um, we have folks on staff who aren't bankers. We have folks who are, will look to you more like a case manager from a social service agency. And they meet with people who are financially challenged, not just someone who doesn't understand how to use the stock market in their 401k. We're talking about people who have significant collection debt. Maybe they've been through a foreclosure. Um, they have credit card bills that they can't afford. They have very high childcare costs, very high healthcare costs, student loan debt, and they're they're buried. And often they're buried to the point where they can't open an account at a bank, at a, even at another credit union. If they try to, the, the financial institution will do a history 
and see that they left a debt at some other financial institution and say, sorry, you can't open an account here. So we help people get past that. And these, uh, we have three staff members who fit the description more of a case manager than a credit union worker. And this year so far, we're in September, October, they've individually counseled, I'm sorry, they've counseled 600 different people. And some of those are individual and some are through workshops. But it's really basic. It's not folks who have assets like in my wealth management background. It's folks who are negative balance sheets. And and yet there are similar skills that we need to help these folks listening, seeing what their objective is, listening to what their family situation is. And we have some specific loan products that help people raise their credit scores and get into the position of being able to A, open an account at financial institution, and B, ultimately have the uh, balance sheet so that they are eligible to be underwritten and can can borrow money, maybe buy a house or a car. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's the low income aspect of what we do. Um, we're probably also different in that we we rely on grants. Um, we're not tremendously grant reliant, but it is um, definitely helpful when um, interest income and fee income is just slightly below expenses. You'd love to be able to have a little bit more income to give you some elbow room, and we do have grant income that we use for those purposes. Again, there are a lot of very wonderful people in Vermont that support what we do, and we've gotten grants from um, the Vermont Community Foundation, um, TD Bank, um, CUNA Mutual, smaller grants, and we've also gotten larger grants from the CDFI, the Community Development Financial Institution aspect of the U.S. Treasury. Uh, We also get grant funding from Housing and Urban Development to do our counseling work. It's agnostic, and they fund that. I know community development credit unions have a slightly different treatment uh, by NCUA, the federal regulator and state government, than do other credit unions and uh, non-member deposits from organizations like the ones you've talked about and others and whatnot, you know, is is part of that, right? Right. Uh, so I know that, I don't know how it is currently, but in years past, other financial institutions uh, and banks probably in large part uh, had deposits in Opportunities Credit Union um, at one time anyway uh, to help it along because a lot of the people that you're serving, um, you know, they're on the on the loan more on the loan side of the business than on the deposit side of the business. Right, right. Yes, we have we're able to have secondary capital as a low income credit union, right. which is a <laughs> unique form of capital. It's like um, uh, it, it's like subordinated debt. It's subordinated to our other obligations. So it's really a vote of confidence when someone gives you subordinated capital. Um, so we do we do have that, and that is only available to low-income credit unions. And we do, to your point about non-member deposits, um, I'm sure you're aware the regulations recently changed to limit non-member deposits. Um, and it's a, it's a more, uh, it's a formula um, used to be a ratio, now it's a formula. And so we need to be very mindful to keep non-member deposits down. And I think the the reasoning behind that is that they do tend to be more expensive. So for example, if, if a bank in Chicago likes what we're doing 
and they want to buy a $100,000 CD with us, we, we typically would pay market rate on that CD. Um, or we might pay a little bit above market rate to get that size of deposit. So I think in general, non-member deposits have had a higher uh, interest cost to credit unions. But we're a little different. A lot of our non-member deposits are social investments. So these are folks who are willing to take a little less on the interest rate. So when we have to pair back on non-member deposits, sometimes that hurts our overall interest cost because some of these are folks who have agreed to borrow from us at less than the market rate. So we, I mean, we, have, we obviously have to comply with the regulations and we have. Um, so just have, we have to rethink who our depositors can be and maybe get a few more social uh, depositors from within the state so they can be members. That's the only, that's the only difference. So your, your financial statements are going to look, could look uh, a little bit different than most of the credit or many other credit unions in the state of Vermont. Um, but let me ask you about operational uh, differences because, and you've touched on that already some. Um, so, you know, every credit union or typical credit union has, you know, the, the people filling the role of teller or whatever name they assign to that these days and loan officer and mortgage originator and so on and so forth. And you have all of that, like every other credit union, but layered over that is all that big counseling piece that you were talking about earlier, yeah. which um, seems to me because of the focus on lower income populations, um, has got to be a huge part of the operation that you've got, you know, people providing counseling to members. Right. We have a 26 person staff. And so those three people, that's, you know, roughly 10% of our staff, mm -hmm. two of them, because of specifics of the HUD grant, they're, they have to be agnostic when they counsel people. They can't say, okay, you, you are now, Joe, you're now in a position to be able to take out a car loan come on over here and I'll introduce you to John. Mm -hmm. We can't We can't do that. Hmm. Or a mortgage loan, let me introduce you to Cindy. They have to say, uh, here are five different lenders in the area who could be potential places where you could take out a mortgage. So they're, they're in a way, they're on our staff, but also not, they right. don't, by, by their purpose under the grant, they can't support our staff. Right. But our third, uh, we did hire a third, counselor with uh, a grant from um, Northfield Savings Foundation, uh, who simply does work for the credit union. And we felt this was really necessary during COVID uh, to find and build relationships with folks who were having trouble with their payments and work with them specifically in this case management kind of way to help um, train, coach them back to financial stability. And that, that helps us and that also helps them. So how do people, uh, particularly those outside of Chittenden County, even uh, people who are primary candidates for Opportunities Credit Union, how do they even find out about Opportunities Credit Union, you know, if they're not in the area of your offices and whatnot? Yeah, it's, that's a really good question. Um, we're doing some testing this year with our marketing budget to see exactly where people come to us from. Um, so we've done... Uh, what's important to us, it's an important amount of money we've allocated to Channel 5 to do some television ads. We have a couple of 30-second ads running there. Um, we did a, a really careful analysis of our um, our typical member 
and we picked shows that our typical member is watching and we put our 30 second commercials there. And those are, of course, those will hit Northern Vermont. We also uh, did a similar thing with radio. So we're, we're statewide on the radio. And then social media has a huge uh, reach. And sometimes it's a little bit too far. So we we do a lot of social media between Facebook, LinkedIn, and and Instagram. Um, and I'll, a footnote, I'll, I'll come back to that in a second. Um, that reaches way beyond Vermont. And sometimes we get people that want to open an account uh, through our website who are from California and Nebraska. Right. So the word gets out, but we're still kind of fine-tuning how to get it out to Vermont. I think there's some other credit unions uh, in Vermont that do a really good job of that. And we're, you know, we're refining it as we mm-hmm. go. So, uh, you know, I see a lot of credit unions that in their, um, I won't call it outreach, I hesitate to say marketing, but their, you know, broadcasting of their services and whatnot, and, you know, come be a member of ABC Credit Union and whatnot. Um, it's not always the case, but um, often, you know, they're focusing on their, or they're trying to work in the cooperative membership and structure angle and, and whatnot. And this is what makes us different. Um, but for you, for Opportunities Credit Union, in your promoting yourself to the, the public, whether it's in Vermont or far away or whatnot, um, is there... Is there much of that or is it really more, is that what just makes it possible to be able to uh, promote and, and deliver um, the services that you do at the price that, that you do? Yeah, interesting question. So is the cooperative piece itself something that we leverage in our marketing right. or that comes up with our members? Right. And and I, I think only with folks who have a little bit more money because they're the most of the folks we deal with are are living paycheck to paycheck or even social security disability check to social security disability check and top of their list of concerns is food shelter health um they're not really looking at the ownership structure of our yeah. financial institution yeah. they they want to get into someplace warm where they can have an account where no one gives them a hard time and maybe they can benefit from some counseling. Um, I would say our our borrowers tend to be a little bit more interested in the co-op piece. Our borrowers are also largely low-income folks, um, but we get a lot of re- uh, referrals from other borrowers. So there's an interesting loop there. For example, in the New American community, we get a lot of mortgage borrowers who are from Nepal originally. They're new Americans in Vermont. We have a Nepali loan officer. And we've developed a reputation in this community as being a reliable lender among some of the new Americans in in this part of Vermont, which is great. I think they understand the cooperative concept because in their culture, they are very cooperative. So for example, they might um, give money to someone for a down payment. And then when that person gets their house and makes a little money, they are then in turn um, encouraged to give money to the younger people who are starting out. And and this circle continues. Mm -hmm. So they share with each other and everyone does better as a result. So although Mm -hmm. they may not connect the fact that credit unions are a similar kind of uh, institution, they they get it on a heart level. Um, 
and and some of our social investor depositors understand the co-op concept, and I think they uh, they celebrate that and they want to support it. Good. So um, governance of the credit union, you know, every credit union has a volunteer board, right, and one or more committees, certainly a supervisory committee, maybe others. So um, does all of this uh, permeate um, the governance of Opportunities Credit Union, or does the service to, uh, n- not the actual service itself, but the, the, the awareness when you're you're, uh, you know, setting, determining services and setting pricing and whatnot, is it all resting, you know, on your shoulders or guidance from, you know, your staff and whatnot? Um, or is a lower income portion of your membership, you know, do they, do they get involved in, mm. in credit union governance at all? That's a good question. Um, yes, some of our board started out as members um, that we have a couple of members who are new Americans. And so they are a voice for that, um, that experience. Um, and I, it's hard to lump all new Americans into one bucket or two, two or three very, very distinct people. Um, but we have a very ethnically diverse board Mm -hmm. as well. Um, we have, I think it's 30 or 40% minority and 30 or 40% women. Mm -hmm. So, so I think we are doing fairly well to represent more than to over represent minority communities and new Americans who are our membership. Um, not entirely, but more than the state's demographics would suggest. Um, are there some folks on our board who came from somewhere else and weren't members? Yes, but they've sure. become members now. Um, we're always looking for members uh to join the board. I've, I've got a couple invitations out <laughs> right now um, because they know what we do. And I think they make better board members because they already understand our mission. And if I recall correctly, Kate, um, you know, it's not just about an opportunity credit union. It's not just about uh, helping people to uh, get that first mortgage or purchase a car or save for Christmas purchases or whatever you have done or opportunities has done in the past a fair amount of uh, service to small businesses, probably in large part that are started by or operated by those new Americans and lower income members. And Absolutely. Whatnot. Yes. And, and that is, it's such a delight to see someone who's new to our country, relatively new, um, come in and make a success of themselves. Um, I think, you know, probably, I mean, I love to pull a few of them out as examples, if that's okay. Um, Jake Tran, who owns Firebird out in Essex Junction, he's just a phenomenal restaurateur. He's opened- Firebird, right. Firebird is a a restaurant, right? Restaurant, yes. And then he also opened Nest. um, And he's, he was a new American probably 20 years ago. And he, he loves us and we, we make his life easier. We are a support to him and his business loans. Um, and, and as a depositor and we, I was just looking through our business loans the other day. I think we have 180 business loans. Um, not, I mean, it's not entirely new Americans by any means, but they, again, they overrepresent, uh, they're overrepresented in our business loan portfolio relative to the state demographics as are African Americans, as are women. There are a lot of women owned businesses. Um, that that have borrowed from us, especially under the PPP loan 
right. um, facility. And we just recently sent a thank you gift to all of our business borrowers just because there's a lot of competition for them. Sure. Um, we, we know, you know, there's some Mascoma's a new bank in the area and um, CECOM is here and other lenders who've been here all along um, are, we see them as competition. I mean, we, we see when we offer a loan facility to a small business, we hear that they've also gotten pricing from a couple of other more traditional financial institutions. So we know that we need to uh, be competitive in what we offer the potential borrower, and, and we are. Um, but, but when you have a choice of so many financial institutions, we, we would we like to try to make sure they know that we're different and they know that you know, when, when we get interest income from them, we're turning it around and helping other folks Somebody in else their community or other communities. Awesome. Um, and you mentioned Paycheck Protection Program. And as I recall, you were quite active in that, or Opportunities Credit was quite active in that Paycheck Protection Program yes. with yes, we cranking were. out a lot of those loans yeah. in proportion to your size. Yes, we did. And it, it was nice because we got to make a lot of new relationships with businesses. Oh, good. Um, we're, we're small enough that we could kind of have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with the borrowers. We're already a small business administration borrower, so we are kind of know the drill. Um, and we've been helping them get forgiveness. I think we're down to one-third or less remaining that need forgiveness. Um, it certainly helped our fee income. And as you know, toward the end of that program, uh, credit uh, community development financial institution were were the only financial institutions that could lend that money in the last couple of weeks of the program. Right. So we saw a huge surge, and it, it was great in Vermont, where we were one of the few that was still open for business at the end of May. So the last uh, business-related, I guess I'll call it, uh, issue that I wanted to talk to you about, you kind of touched on a little bit. Um, and, and in the beginning, I referenced that most of your credit union career uh, all two plus years of it uh, has been during a pandemic. Um, so I don't know if you have much to, to, to base an answer on, but uh, like I've been asking everybody else that I talk to in credit union land in your position, um, how do you think things changed for your credit union operationally during the pandemic? And are there things that you've modified or implemented during these past, what, 18 months or so that you think are going to stick? going forward. Yeah. Well, I think it was it was a benefit to us. Um, it didn't seem like that on day when one. It started, right. It was terrifying. And I thought we would lose all our deposits and I was worried we'd have to let people go. I think if you if you're honest with yourself and you think back to the first few days of the shutdown, uh, most of us felt soul chilling terror. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um but as you know, it's been good for financial institutions. We've gotten a lot of uh, folks interested in mortgage, um, in buying a new home and refinancing mortgages. So our mortgage portfolio has done very, very well. Um, lower interest rates have meant that we were able to bring in uh, deposits for a very low cost. The stimulus money meant people had money to deposit with us. So our deposits have actually swelled, as everyone else has had. Um, and the fee income from some of the loan programs has been very, very helpful. So this, this will, these two years will go down as being kind of anomalies, I think, in how, how successful we've been. And and I'm starting to look at, you know, core, 
core business and will our core lending um, and core deposits still be enough to sustain us if and when rates rise and deposits um, start moving out the door. Uh, so I think this, that's our next challenge. But, but just, to, right. just to get back to your other question, I think one of the things the pandemic did for us was it, it caused us to equip everyone to work from home, almost mm-hmm. everyone. Um, we weren't we weren't focused on that before because you know we're we're a very in-person business. Um, right. There wasn't that option two years ago or, or a year and a half ago, and and so we you know we set up the VPNs and got laptops to folks that didn't have them before, and made sure that just about everybody either had internet access or a phone with a hotspot so that we could communicate. So setting up that communication network um, was it was tough and our IT guy, our one IT guy, <laughs> really rose to the challenge and he did an amazing job giving us the ability to work remotely. Um, some people still rem- working remotely, some have the option, some don't. Um, but I think that's made it easier on employees too to have have the option in some cases. And you know the the book that used to be popular many moons ago, Management by Walking Around, mm-hmm. um, I, I think COVID showed us management by calling around a lot of time <laughs> on the phone, a lot of time on the phone. So, uh, you know, you remind me that, um, you know, historically credit unions uh, have uh, middle of the road credit unions have kind of prided themselves and always been known for, um, you know, personal service and, you know, ranked high in consumer uh, polling in terms of I feel comfortable with my credit union or personal service. You know, I go in and visit with whoever, Susie, you know, every Tuesday at noon kind of thing and so on and so forth. Um, but COVID changed all that or a lot of that uh, for most credit unions. Uh, for your credit union, though, I, I would imagine that similar would apply, but all of the uh, you know, counseling, even though if it's limited to those three people, um, there's a lot of handholding that goes on uh, with yeah. some of your members. Mm-hmm. So how does that work in a do things remotely kind of an environment? Yeah. Um, well, I think the counseling staff adapted beautifully. They Good. started doing Zoom webinars and they found, uh, for example, um, I'm sure you know about USCRI Vermont, U.S. Committee for Refugees and Immigrants. Vermont, formerly the Vermont Refugee Resettlement Program, um, we led a a class for them on the basics of banking, uh, pretty much only during the pandemic, um, and it was it was Zoom, it was translated, and a lot of our curriculum materials were pictorial rather than using mm-hmm. English. Um, so we we were ready to go with that uh, ahead of time. Just just because we needed materials to communicate to people in other languages and putting it on Zoom just made it a lot easier. So I think we we see fewer people in person, but we still deal personally with people um, either in a in a Zoom format or on the phone. And people do still come in for counseling, just just fewer than before. Well, I think that uh, everyone has learned a lot more about you and about Opportunities Credit Union, and I think it's been great. I know I learned some things about opportunities I didn't know before, Um, and you fill a very important role in the community, well, the entire community of Vermont, Um, Yeah, and I think it's awesome. 
Awesome story. Thank you. Our 32-year history um, has largely been driven by leaders um, other than myself, and I certainly stand on their shoulders. So Has it really been 32 years? Because I remember <laughs> the start of uh, your you? credit union yeah. and the folks that were sitting, uh, meeting with me at one point, talking about what is a credit union again? Yeah. And yeah. Um, it doesn't seem like 32 years ago, though. Wow. Yeah. Time flies. Yeah. Um, so I usually close these out with some quirky multiple choice questions, if that's okay with you. Sure, absolutely. Um, so these have nothing to do with opportunities credit. You know, it's just all about you and your personal preference. So milk or dark chocolate? Milk, for sure. Maybe caramel and milk, but not dark. Really? Oh, yeah. Cool. Uh, and your favorite kind of music? You know, I'm not ashamed to admit I am a pop music fan. Uh -huh. I, I'm not, I'm just going to say it. I got the radio on in my car. And uh, yeah, I love pop music. <laughs> so pops like uh, pops like current, or are you like me, stuck back in the eighties or seventies or no, something? No, I'm I'm an anti nostalgia person. Um, really, <laughs> my children have kept me up to date on music. Um, yeah, I like I even like an occasional rap artist. Um, but yeah, I love I love current music. I think I learn a lot um, from from artists who are, are out there. Awesome. Right Hey, who would you uh, most like to have dinner with for a famous person? Yeah, that's, living a or long, that's a long list. Um, I, I'm going to say Spike Lee. Um, I love his movies. I think he's a very interesting individual. Uh, and I think he has a lot to say. And I hear he's a real curmudgeon. So I think it would be fun to have him <laughs> to dinner and get him to lighten up a little bit. Awesome. Hey, well, thanks for sharing those things. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you wanted to get across about opportunities or however unlikely about yourself. <laughs> uh, no, no, I, I would encourage, well, I just, I'll say one other thing. I, I'm probably not like other credit union CEOs because I'm, we have such a small staff that everybody shoulders the day-to-day -day work. Right. So, you know, members that visit come in to see me and I hope anyone who's listening to this that wants to come in to see me, I'm, I'm here, I'm available and everybody else comes in to see me. So please stop by. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time, Kate. It's been great talking with you and hearing the story of uh, Kate Laud and Opportunities Credit Union. Uh, we really Thanks, appreciate Joe. it. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. And with that, everyone, we've reached the end of another Vermont Credit Unions on Air podcast and hope you found it interesting. You can hear all of our previously recorded podcasts by searching for Vermont Credit Unions on Air in the iTunes store or at soundcloud.com. If you've got ideas for a podcast on something you'd like to hear about, send it to podcast at vermontcreditunions with an S dot co-op, C-O-O-P. In the meantime, this is Joe Bergeron and Kate Laud thanking you for listening. Thank you.